Welcome. My name is Alex Smith, editor of Sibsi Journal, and you're listening to the Sibsi Journal podcast. In this edition, we'll be discussing the benefits of distributed pumping in HVAC applications with Grunfoss. We have two experts from the company, Danny Stark and Glenn Miller, who will be looking at how this approach will help you save energy, simplify balancing and reduce commissioning time. Danny Stark is a lead solutions manager for HVAC and CBS systems at Gronfoss Pumps. He joined Gronfoss as controls product manager, having previously worked in the wind power industry. He was responsible for all external pump controls, including HVAC pressure boosting, wastewater and water supply. Danny has been working with developing Grunfoss distributed pumping since 2019, and today is the lead global solutions manager for this project. Glenn Miller is a product and solutions manager at Grunfoss Pumps, who has a strong electromechanical background. He joined Grunfoss as an applications engineer, supporting various engineering challenges before becoming a product manager, with particular expertise in digital applications and control systems. In 2021, Glenn became a senior product specialist for Western Europe focusing on HVAC, pressure boosting, offsite build and pressurization within the commercial building services sector. Danny, first of all, can I ask what is Grunfoss distributed pumping and can you explain the background to the development? Yes, uh, for sure. Grunfoss distributed pumping is basically about replacing modulating valves in HVAC systems with intelligent pumps. So quite a number of years ago, there were some technical articles describing, and this is where it all started basically, um, describing how would you design the perfect HVAC systems. And basically they wanted to distribute all the pumps into the zones. So you're close to the building loads and then adapt the flow to each load, um, basically based on the pump speed. At that time, we didn't really have the intelligent pumps to do so. So it could not be autonomously controlled to that particular load. Around 2000, year 2003, Grundfos released the intelligent pump with embedded VFD control, with controls embedded to the pump itself, which basically sort of enabled us to take the pump in as an intelligent control device closer to the load. So by doing this, we actually changed the whole hydronic system upside down. So instead of having major big pumps in the basement that sort of push the water into the building where each of the valves then modulate the flow so it would be exactly the flow that that particular load needs, we tip that on the top of the head and basically drag the water from each of the terminal loads with intelligent pumps where these pumps then secure the right flow at the right time for that particular load. I hope that makes sense for sure. Yeah, I'd like to kind of chip, chip in here, really. Um, Danny talks about intelligent pumps. What we're actually talking about is the Grunfoss Magna Pump. And this has loads of different attributes that lends itself well to autonomous pumping. One of the first ones being is you can effectively uh, drive it down to zero, so you get full controllability. Um, around the thing and um, also as well the because it's closed loop loop control it's variable speed it's really really efficient and it's known around the industry as well as like one of the like the the, the, the great pumps on system so there's been no real in reinvention of the pump what it is it's just being used in an intuitive way to add a little bit on that also one of the aspects that restricted pumps being used close to the terminal loads 
was uh, pumps at that time all have shaft shields and they all have a limited time that they can run. So now with the canned rotor principles, with the way we design pumps now a days and with the controls embedded, actually you don't have any maintenance on the pumps, which means that it should be able to run for the whole, whole lifetime of the pump, basically. Great, thank, thanks, Danny. Um, and with energy bills skyrocketing at the moment, I mean, how, how does the distributed pumping um, help to unlock savings in HVAC systems? If you imagine, right, the, if you have big pumps in the basement, as mentioned before, and then you have throttling valves all along the building, terminal loads. So what happens is that these pumps, they need to be able to satisfy the hidden flow for the furthest terminal load in the building. And when they do that, you could also imagine that every valve before that furthest load will have to squeeze. They will simply have to take away pressure to be able to satisfy that load that sits closer to the big pumps in the basement. With distributor pumping, actually we take the foot off the brake basically. So we let each of the terminal loads with pumps drag the water they need at the given time and according to the consumption in that particular area where the load is sitting. So by that, that's actually the, the whole fundamental aspect of energy savings in distributed pumping is basically removing the brakes in the system. Yeah, another, another way I kind of think of it is if you kind of think about the difference between naturally aspirated motor engines like car engines and ones with management systems, you tend to find that the energy reduction comes from the dynamic control. So with valves, you kind of get a bandwidth where they're efficient and you kind of fall outside of that because of the reaction times and the efficiency of the valves as well and things like that. You tend to find you get one good part where it's efficient, but most of the time, a system doesn't sit on that one duty, it moves around. And the beauty of using uh, variable speed pumps, you know, especially really efficient ones, is that it dynamically produces the best output that it can for the amount of energy. So basically the best watts to water you can get. And because you're not relying on one pressure source, you tend to find, as Danny says, you can use the main pumps and just make them smaller. So it basically just gets enough fluid going around to give you the right output onto your emitters. Yeah, that makes sense. And what sort of savings can be made from this approach? Uh, we're looking into at least 50% energy savings on the pumps. And to elaborate also on, on what Glenn said before, and also to explain a little bit on the energy savings, is that we all know that buildings are designed at the 100% load. But actually, if you go to shopping malls, if you go to offices, they are rarely, and especially right after COVID here, they are rarely at 100% capacity or heat precipitation uh, capacity that means that the systems are running far lower at a lower capacity than actually the the design criteria says they should be running at and that also means that at part loads or half than part loads the the, the valves in a traditional conventional system have to squeeze a lot more and that again is just a waste of energy so so the 50 percent at least comes from actually removing the valves and replacing them with pumps. And, and this means you can get rid of the central large pump for a building if you have these smaller distributed pumps. Is that right? 
actually don't get rid of them. You simply downsize them dramatically, which means that if you imagine that the big pumps in the basements previously, they had to cater for the furthest part of the building. So if it's a seven or 10 or 40 story building, they had to deliver head and flow for that furthest load. Now, when each of the distributor pumps are dragging from that particular load zone or load uh, terminal unit, the pumps in the basement only have to deliver head and flow for the bypass because your distributor pumps will handle the rest. That means the distance of pipe, the amount of bends, the amount of fitting, strainers, etc., will become far less and thereby the head requirement is a lot lower on the primary pumps, which means they are downsized dramatically. The flow mean, will remain the same, of course. And does that mean you're making capital savings by, by taking this approach? Absolutely. So just by making things smaller, you're not buying bigger equipment. So the you know the initial cost may be a little bit more in um, you know the decentralized pumps like the Magnus, but if you kind of take away the cost of the majority of the valves that will be removed and the reduction of the main circulation set as well, there's like a, a you know a good 20, 30 percent reduction in costs mm. just on the initial purchase. Would you kind of agree with that, Danny? No, absolutely, absolutely. And there are some related cost issues that we also need to mention is that the footprint in your plant room becomes far smaller because now instead of having, as an example, having a 55 kilowatt pump and you need three of these, then you go down to maybe 15 kilowatt pumps and and the footprint is simply much, much smaller. And with the ability to pre-manufacture some of those uh, pump skits, actually you're looking at a significant space saving approach here as well one thing to add here as well it's not just about the pumps it's about the control system that comes with the main circulation system gronfoss works tirelessly about improving its software to reduce the energy consumption and there's been a big focus lately on actual circulating systems so pump management control actually identifying where to drop the speeds down where it's required. And with the uh, Grunfoss MPC system that's kind of usually attached to these circulation systems, what you'll find is, is that it self-learns. So every time it reaches a most efficient point, when it sees that dynamic control in that environment again, it immediately goes back to that most efficient part of where it's delivering the water around the system. So it's not just about the pump, it's about the controls as well, working together to uh, produce the biggest amount of output flow to the lowest amount of energy usage. And in terms of commissioning, is it simpler, the commissioning? I would say if we also add in the installation part, then actually we have a very good experience from across Asia Pacific, India, China, US, where we have proven that the installation is basically the same with a PSV valve or a controlled balancing valve. So you basically need to cut the pipe, put in the pump, put on the flanges and, and get it up and running. What sort of makes the whole thing easier now is that each of the pumps, if you imagine, they all are individual small controllers. So each one of them sitting in front of the air unit or the fan coil units basically means that you don't need to balance the system. 
So for the commissioning part, yes, you need to give the pump its set point. You need to tell it what to do, the control mode it needs. But you don't need to balance the flow in the entire building because your distributed pump will act independently. So that is actually the whole saving potential on the commissioning time. And you can imagine also, according to ASRAE, you, you are required or you are requested to recommission because the building, once it's taken into use at an early stage, maybe it's not fully occupied. And then two years later, you are requested or required, depending on where you are in the world, to rebalance the system. And this is quite a tedious job. But when you then deploy your pumps into your system, it will automatically, continuously throughout the lifetime of the building, adapt to the building load. And that thereby you, you really have a huge benefit in adding the intelligence. One thing to kind of remember about this is, I'll just kind of carry on from what Danny said there, is that because the system dynamically adjusts to the state of the building, and because the distributed pumps, the magnets, can be connected to field bus, what you can do is you can actually look at the specific energy from each pump and you can watch the denigration of the building. So this starts to lend itself into predictive maintenance, looking at areas around the building that can be improved through analysis. So there's many wins from doing this. We actually have a few customers now talking about data and what actually is achievable with a pump versus a valve. Valves are typically actuators that do not feed back much other than potentially a position. But now with a pump with a long list of data points, we actually get estimated flow, RPMs, frequency, and so on. That opens up a whole new door for analytics. And we have two examples of clients customers who actually stated, wow, I never knew that I could get this much insight with such a little investment. So actually, it shows that if you want, and it's not everybody who wants, but it opens, it gives you the opportunity to utilize pump data that is free of charge, more or less, from the pump, because that's how it's designed, together with the data you already retrieve from air handling units, from fan call units, to actually give very, very good insights of what's going on in your building. So they could form part of a sort of a data analysis where if you were monitoring your buildings, that will give you an extra tool to help ensure you're actually operating as the building was designed. Absolutely. To just give you some examples, we were just on a round trip throughout Southeast Asia where we visited eight different projects in Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. And out of all those projects, what was quite astonishing is that all of them meet the expected delta T. So delta T is saying it's an indicator of how good the system is in delivering energy to actually, you know, the, the energy you deliver to the building and how good is the building to absorb or transfer that energy into the air that you basically feel as comfort. And out of those, all of the eight, we actually meet what they expect. And this is very seldom because if you imagine the valves, they throttle, suddenly they stop throttling and they stay open too much. So you overpump the system. So you'll have a pretty bad delta T, which again is energy savings and then missed comfort. So for all of them, it's quite a unique, I would say, uh, achievement so far. 
and when they've got that data, are they having to tweak the systems, uh, the pumps, or or is it pretty much they're just monitoring the data and it's as expected? I would say the. They can tweak. Most of the time, they don't touch it. So they leave it at desired temperatures. So just to explain that a little bit, it, the, the pump control is set to work as a constant temperature controller. So that means if you measure your air duct temperature leading into uh, variable air volume boxes, it basically says, I want 14 degrees, for example. And then the pump will adjust its pump speed to always keep 14 degrees off the coil temperature and that basically gives the control that that makes it very easy to manage if suddenly the room is too cold or too hot you will always be able to change that set point to 15 degree or 12 degree depending on your bms system so all the pumps are 100 percent able to be controlled from remote as well and obviously retrofitting is a key issue at the moment um, in terms of embodied energy and reducing carbon in the whole life building cycle. Can distributed pumping controls be retrofitted into existing solutions? Um, and, uh, and I guess, are there any aspects to be aware of in, in such circumstances? I would say yes, but with some precautions. Because I think we have quite a few number of projects running, as uh, the eight I just mentioned, and then plus quite a bit more in different parts of the world. And 95% of them are all new built. 5% we have experience with retrofit. But the nature of a retrofit basically means that the building is rather old. And we often find that the knowledge of the building pipework, the true head loss of the system, etc., is basically lost somewhere on the line with the building age. So the blueprints, what you can get, is basically not saying what the building looks like. I think we all know this. <laughs> and what they typically do is just to add the pump sizes to de keep delivering the cooling because that's essentially what we all want is a comfort cooling. So where we have seen the most success and that, that's the precaution we need to take mm -hmm. is when you do major refurbishments saying that you want new chillers, your chillers are out of date, you're anyway going to replace all the air handling units because they are 40 years old or 20 years old, and you're going to do your valve upgrade anyway. When you look into those scenarios, as we can call them major refurbishments, absolutely, then it makes sense because then you have time and you have possibility to do the effort to actually get to know the building again to select the right equipment. But if you only want to replace distributed pump with a valve, I would say it's actually too much work and with a pretty big risk that it won't work perfectly. So, so that's where I think we need to be careful when we talk retrofits. It's not impossible. We just need to approach it in the right way. So it's about replacing a whole system, in, including the valves, not, not just trying to swap out the valves with the pumps. Correct, yeah. And I understand, uh, you talk about Asia there, but I understand um, your concept is also in the UK already. And, and what's the reaction been from consultants? Actually, one, and we have not touched upon that part, but for consultants, they design the whole hydronic system. So pipes, fittings, equipment that needs to be delivered with flow and so on. So a big part of distributed pumping is actually the building sizing. The system sizing with a tool where we calculate based on schematics, we calculate each of the pumps, pressure loops, and we calculate the head loss so we can select the right pump. 
So actually the consultants, they were very happy to see, okay, now actually you're taking some complexity away from me. You can validate what I do. You can actually make me work on more projects because now Grunfoss will be able to help me with that hydronic part as well. So that was one clear takeaway. And all of them, the concept, they got it within 10 minutes. It, that was not the case. It's more where you said, okay, actually there's something in it for me here. Yeah, one of the good things there is the actual validation to the consultant. So if our team saw something that wasn't quite right or we believed we could do it better, we would assist with that as well. So it's a bit like being the consultant to consultants, double-checking mm-hmm. and things like that. But the main thing is is we work as an equal team and that will bring volumes of value to building design. And actually, we have some pretty cool examples where Grunfoss has been asked to be part of an engineering team to validate another consultancy's company's work. So, and the example, and I can't mention the, the company name, but they were asked to review a design for a major Middle Eastern project. And Grunfoss was then asked to become part of that team with the reviewing consultant to review the hydronic system. And I think this is actually where it shows that that with this kind of concept here, with the tools surrounding it, we actually have a, a different value to the consultant than just a pump supplier. So out of interest, was that looking at another project that also had your distributed pumping solutions in there, or did they just want your holistic understanding of the system? They were asked to review uh, the conventional system, mm. and then they were asked to comment if there were more energy-efficient systems available to such a design. And that's where actually we came in with distributed pumping, but both to, of course, offer the distributed pumping solution, design it into the project, but also to benchmark it on a design level, on a simulation level with a conventional system. And in terms of uh, installation, is it straightforward for contractors and specialists to, to put these into buildings? Yeah, I would say we have a pretty good track record that it's definitely easy to install. I will, however, say that the difference, and it's not a major issue, but it's something you need to be aware of, that a valve typically runs on 24-volt DC, and our pumps, of course, need single-phase 230. So that is just a detail, but typically all the components that sit in the unit where you need to install the pump, anywhere will have that power supply. But it's just something along the way you need to be very aware of. Thanks, Danny. Glenn and Danny, are there any final messages that you might have for the audience? Now, from my side, the thing is, if any of the listeners want to get to know more of the concept, who wants a demo of design tools, etc., or if any are interested in seeing real buildings running with the system, please reach out to Grundfos and your closest Grundfos sales company will help guide you to the right contact persons and we'll make it happen. Great. And um, Glenn? Well, I would just like to replicate that. If there's any interest from the listeners, please reach out to me or to your local Grundfos representatives and uh, we'll be able to forward you or talk about um, advancing and get some more information. But also as well, there's a plethora of information online. So there's videos, there's reading material. Um, so you can decide for yourselves. And there's enough information there for you to make an informed decision on whether to take this route and put it into your designs.
Thank you, Glenn and Danny. That was a very informative discussion on the benefits of distributed pumping. As Glenn says, you can find out more on the Gronfoss website, which is at www.gronfoss.com. That just leaves me to say thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Sibsy Journal podcast on whatever platform you use to find out about our future episodes. Thank you.